God is good and he is on the throne. And he is in charge and in control of you and your life. And he's in charge and in control of this year. And I am excited about what God's about to do. You know, back in the, the end of the year, somewhere the last quarter, somewhere around October, I started sharing a little bit with um, the young people in Alive. I started sharing a little bit on character and some things that I had learned and some things that I had gleaned and some things that God was dealing with in my heart. How many of you know when you have young people, when God's dealing with you, it's really easy to let them deal with the same thing? Because, you know, you're dealing with it, you're going through it, God's helping you and God's fixing you and God's changing you and molding you and it's easy to, to allow that to kind of come out uh, in their lives. And uh, he, he gave me, a, you know, four or five, I think it was five or six messages on character and I'm going to take the next four Wednesday nights, I've been waiting, you know, for January to come since about November, so that we could, we could share and, and talk a little bit about this, but wanted to do just a four-week uh, series on character. Because I think the body of Christ, you know, as we go out of these doors, we're the only Jesus that people are ever really probably going to see, going to hear. You know, they may have an experience with Jesus, you know, that, that's, that's out of this. Hopefully they do. But if they don't see it in you, then how are we supposed to expect them to, to see him? And that it says when we go out those doors, we're supposed to be the salt and the light of this earth. It says we're supposed to really, in our life, become more like Jesus every day. It says that we're his hands, we're his feet. It says that he's given us all of the victory. He's given us all the power and the anointing. Not so that we can just go sit in our house, but so that we can go out into the highways and byways of life. So that we can go out into our, our workplace and our neighborhood. And not necessarily just stand on a soapbox and preach, but live like Jesus lived. See, Jesus did great things, but he also said in his word that we would do even greater works than he did. But Jesus lived his life as a man with great character and a man of great integrity. That he didn't double-cross his word, that he didn't lie, that he didn't cheat, that he didn't steal, that he didn't do a lot of those things. And none of the things really that I share about are, are probably meant for condemnation, so don't take them that way. But if you're convicted, deal with them. You know, I mean, that's the way I take things in life. I don't usually ever get condemned. I know the difference. I spent a lot of my life, you know, feeling bad and being miserable and being condemned about the things that I was doing because I knew they were wrong. There was conviction and then there was condemnation. The Holy Spirit, it says, convicts. The devil's the one who condemns. So take the conviction and make a difference. Change something in your life if that happens to be you. But, but he really, I, you know, I just prayed and, and I really spent four or five weeks, six weeks, I think, in the young people, but just four weeks. The first one is, you know, the foundation. Well, how do you get, we've talked the last two weeks a little bit about dreams, and we talked about vision, and how do, you, how do you get from a place where it's dreams and you end up in the reality? Because if you look at Joseph's life, and we will here in a second, there was a long time between the dream and the reality, and it didn't look like he was ever going to get to the reality. And on Sunday, we talked about the fact that we have to plant our faith today and not hold that thing hostage so that we can get to the place that God has for us. We can't hold it all back waiting for that place. Well, how do we get to that place? We get to that place day by day, but I believe in your life that God could never take you or God could never take me to the next place in our life if our character can't hold us and keep us there. And if you believe one thing and you say one thing and you think you're one person, but on the other side you're doing something different or you're acting a different way or you're saying something that's contrary to that or you're doing something that's contrary to what you're saying that you believe, not necessarily talking about it being hypocritical, but what that does is it shows you that you're not a person of integrity. And really what it says is, in our world, it takes faith and works acting together. It says faith without what? Works is dead. And so if I say that I'm one way, but I do something different, then my works aren't lining up with what my things say. Young people will call you on it all the time. 
If you've got a young person in your house who's vocal, they will let you know that you are a hypocrite. Sometimes they're just being cantankerous. Sometimes they're right. (laughs) And then the wisdom and the truth for us as parents is to know the difference between the two and fix them. Because young people have a real sense of justice. Young people have a real sense of what is right and what isn't right. How many times have they come home and told you about something? Somebody in their life, in their school, or in, in their job, if they're young and have a job, they come home and they tell you about somebody that was horribly wronged. And for you, you're thinking, well, you know, it was kind of this way or that. They, no, they were right. But they were horribly wronged. Or maybe they've seen you say something and do something, as my daughter has many times on a Sunday morning, preach and share. I don't get cut any slack from anybody. I, come, I, go, home, I go home and I got young people just waiting for me to screw up because they know that's their key to getting out. If they do something wrong, well, they can just wait for me to mess up. <laughs> But she's, she, she holds me accountable, my young person. She's 17, and she's not afraid to say, Daddy, that's not what you said in church. We ain't at church. <laughs> but you don't, get, you don't get that break, do you? I have to repent. No different than you. I mean, I have to say, I'm sorry, honey, you're, you're, you're right. I would just encourage you, the first one is foundation. The second one is growth, how to grow in our character. Because, see, character isn't something that we can get better at. Character isn't something that you can, in your own strength, get better at. We can get, we can get a whole lot of things. The whole world is full of self-help books. I mean, if you want to be a better listener, just go buy a book. If you want to be a better cook, you can get a, a DVD series. If you want to have a better body, you can go to the gym. You can get the, you know, crunch abs. I mean, you can do, you can do all those kind of things. If you want to look different, you can go to the mall. You can go to the mall and you get a new outfit. And for some of us, that makes us feel better. (laughs) I don't know. You can get your hair colored. You can get your hair cut. You can grow it out. Some of us can. (laughs) Pastor Bill can't, but, you know, it's the way it is. (laughs) He's not here. It's okay. But see, there's all of these places and these ways for us to better ourselves as human beings. There's all of these things that we can do to make our life better. If we're interested in something, if we're interested in photography, what do we do? Well, we can go buy a book. It'll teach us about photography. We can go take a class at the local Y, and they'll teach us about photography. I walk over at at the Happy Hollow Park sometimes, and every now and then you run into about 20 people taking pictures of the same tree. Apparently, it was a photography class or just a bunch of strange people who gather together on a Saturday morning to take pictures of this tree. But they are all out there doing this. Why? Because they, they, they have an interest in photography and they want to get better. So there's places and there's ways and there's things for us to improve ourselves in all these areas. But there aren't a lot of people out there selling books on how to have better character. So there's not a lot of teachings and videos on this is what you need to do to get better character. The reason is because I, I really want you to have good character, but I don't want anybody telling me about mine. And I can't buy you a book that says get better character. That'd be bad. And I'm not going to buy me a book that says get better character. See, so there's a little bit of a dilemma. All of those self-help things are all there to make money. Give Marcy a hand. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Marcy. I didn't forget you. But see, there's all, there's all this stuff out there. But in our life, I, I, really, I really want character. I want character in the people that I deal with. Do you want to go to the bank and deal with somebody that doesn't have good character? 
we're looking for cars like crazy. And we went looking around this week and, and we saw some things and we drove some things. But, you know, I don't know any of those people. You know, I don't know them. I don't know who they are. I don't know what's going on. I do know a guy. I bought six cars from him. I like this guy. He'd probably sell me the tick off a camel's back and I'd probably buy it. And when we were looking around, she said, you know, the bad thing is we just don't know these people. What we're saying is I don't know their character. I don't know if they really are people of their word. I don't know if what they're putting out here is really of value. I don't know if they're trying to to rip me off or all those kind of things. Now, the Spirit of God helps us in those situations. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the comfort that I feel when I deal with somebody that has character in their life. I want my friends to have character. I don't want them to be two-faced backstabbers, right? I mean, that's not what we're looking for. We, we want the people that we go to the grocery store and we buy produce from. We want them to be people of good character and not doing wicked things to the fruit. I mean, really, think about it, you know? I mean, uh, that's, that's important. I don't want my fruit being like... <laughs> I didn't mean that. Come on, this is church. This is church. I meant like dirt, like not washing it or something. Look at you. Seriously, in the front row, you're going to start, you're going there. It was, it's his church, Mike. See, and I, I, want, I want to deal with you, and I want you to have character. But don't you want a pastor? Don't you want somebody who's watching over you? Don't you want somebody who's taking care of you? Don't you want somebody coming to the, to the hospital to pray for you like Corey shows up? You want him to be a guy of character, right? You don't want him to be going like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Jesus' name, you know, and walk on down the road. I mean, you want him to put his heart into it. You want him to be there for you. See, I mean, we all want that. But I don't want anybody coming into my room, you know, like, you don't need to come, you know. I don't, I'll be who I am. I'll do what I want to do. But I want everybody else that I deal with to be people of great character. I want my children. See, I'm teaching them. You need to be a young man and a young woman of great character, great integrity when you go places. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I had a mom tell me that not too long ago. I said, you know, you're a young person. I haven't seen him in a while in church. And they were a teenager in Blaze. And I said, I haven't seen him around very often. She goes, yeah, I've been telling them they need to go to church. And I said, you know, I haven't seen you in church either. And she said, well, that's what he said. And I said, yes, I'm sure it is. Because young people know justice and young people know right from wrong. And if you're telling him he needs to go to church because it's the way for him to get his life together and change who he is but you refuse to go to church and get your life together and change who you are, that young man is not going to follow your lead. He's not going to listen to you whatsoever. He thinks you're a hypocrite. And you know what? He's right. Didn't settle well, but mom was in church next week. So it's the truth. She wanted to see it in her young person, but she didn't want him talking to her. Now, you know, as a young person, you've got to follow, you know, you've got to have honor and respect for your parents so they can't just say whatever they want just because. But she wanted to have great character. Don't you know this young man to have great character and do all these great things? But she didn't want him bothering her about her business and getting in her mess. See, the world is all messed up character-wise. Nobody cares about character. That doesn't matter. People's lives are being destroyed all over the place. Think about your favorite congressman or senator. You throw a dart at half of them, and half of them have been in some kind of scandal and something's gone wrong. Well, these are people that we're electing to lead us. And yet they're failing us, not necessarily on Capitol Hill as they vote, although some do. They're failing us at home. They're failing us as men and women in their character. 
We've got presidents that have failed us in their character. We've, we've got doctors, lawyers. It you don't have to be no politician. We've got grocery clerks that fail us in their... Look at Tiger Woods. I mean, this was a person who was squeaky clean, the greatest golfer that's ever lived, and he had more endorsements than anybody else, made $100 million a year in endorsements because he was the person. He spent his whole life sculpting who he was, sculpting his image and what people thought about him so that when you thought about Tiger Woods, you thought about winning and all these great things. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We find out all about really his true character, and now really his character isn't worth any more than one of his $4 golf balls. And he's lost $60 million in a year. Now, is your character, (laughs) see, is your character important? Uh Uh-huh. And and in our our world and in our life, I think many times we, we we try to determine, okay, when do I do what's right and when do I not do what's right? When, when do I do what I know in my heart is, is the right thing to do? And, and when do I just kind of push that away? And when can I get by with not doing that in my life? And I'm sure for him, I can't speak for him. I pray for him. He's on my list of people that I want to see saved. But I think for him in his life, he, he, he led this life for so long, nobody knew. I mean, nobody knew that that was going on. And in your life... See, it says in the Word of God that the only person that knows what's going on on the inside of your noggin is you. It says only the Spirit knows those things. Nobody else knows. You can think thoughts all day long and nobody knows what they are. You could be looking at me and thinking, mmm, oh, that was good chicken tonight. And I would be thinking, boy, they were really into the message. And all you were into was chicken tonight. You know, you're like, man, that's the greatest chicken. Mmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, they went home thinking, boy, that person got it. Boy, they were in with me. No, they just had good chicken. (laughs) See, nobody knows. Now, for us probably as individuals, we think that's a positive because nobody knows the character flaws that we're dealing with and that we have. But in your life, as you go forward in Christ, those are the things that keep you from going with God because he can't put you in a place where your character is eroded and where the enemy has an opportunity to bring you down. So in our lives, we have to really pay attention to the character of God. And it's really important as we go through our list of things here, because I was on the third thing, which is growth. We can't do that ourselves. We can't grow character in us in our lives. Character comes and is grown through us by Christ. And we'll talk about that in the third week as we go. The fourth week is replacing the lies. All the things that we have. See, because we all face temptations. We all face situations and circumstances. And many of us where our character issues are flawed or where we have problems with our character are the same places that we've had for years. They're not new. I mean, how many of you have like 47 character flaws and you just found a new one yesterday? That doesn't happen usually. You're not character schizophrenic. Okay? I mean, it's not like today is a new thing and like you haven't fallen for that trick before. The enemy comes at the same time in the same place and it's the same person in your office that tempts you to do whatever it is. And you go in every day thinking, oh, it's okay, it's all right. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in the bar or in that place or in that time. Dang it, how'd that happen? Well, there's a character flaw there. There's an issue. And we need to fix that, we need to grow in that, and we need to get to the point where that doesn't affect us in our life and that we don't make those decisions anymore. We'll talk about how to replace those lies and live in the truth. 
But here's the problem, really, for our country and for who we are as people. And this has happened, for, this has happened a long time. We, we've, cha- we've chosen or we opted or maybe we've prioritized in our life fulfillment and achievement above character. We've decided that we're going to be fulfilled and we're going to achieve something no matter the cost in our life. We've decided that as a country, by golly, we'll spend whatever we've got to spend. Whether it's fiscally irresponsible or not. We'll allow happen whatever needs to allow happen because everybody can make a choice. Well, abortion's not right. That shouldn't be a choice because it's against the word of God. It's not right. Well, that's an, that's an issue. That's a character issue that we have. We've got a problem in our country. See, and so somewhere along the way, we've wanted fulfillment. I want the fulfillment to say, I can choose whatever I want. Well, I, I guess you can technically, but not spiritually without repercussion in your life but we choose achievement and fulfillment over character issues in our life all the time and the idea and this is what i share with the young people where is it in your life that those two things begin to separate where is it in your life that you decide you know what i'm going to sleep with whoever i want well i said i've never slept with anybody before i got married but you're in bed with somebody well where, where all of a sudden did that happen in your life see where all of a sudden did you take this fulfillment and achievement in this act and get rid of the character thing that you had in your heart that said i was never going to do this See, what, why did this all of a sudden become more important than that character issue in your life? That hits home with young, I mean, that hits home with young people. And it may not be that for you, it may be something else. But somewhere there's a place where, 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 where God is working on our heart and where he's dealing on us. But we're trading, see, we're trading who we are. We're trading what is right. We're trading our integrity in some area in some place in our life for fulfillment and achievement. We've done it in our country for years. And it hasn't gotten us anywhere. We've actually thought it was going to make us stronger in a country, and what has it made us? Weaker. And see, in our own lives as believers, we think, well, that doesn't matter. All I got to do is get to this thing. All I got to do is pass this class, so I'll cheat. I'll, get an, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll cheat on the test, or I'll have somebody else write the paper, or I'll do all these kinds. Of, well, is that, is that positive? Is that character? No. That's, tra- that's trading. I'm going to get fulfillment and achievement. I'm going to get to that next level. I'm going to lie and throw somebody under the bus at work so I can get the next job and the next promotion. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to neglect my family, and I'm going to work 80 hours a week, and I'm not going to do the things that God wants me to do so that I can get to this next promotion. Why? Because uh, promotion is achievement. Promotion is fulfillment in my life, and now I've traded my character value over here for this thing over here. Now, I'm not saying you can't have fulfillment and achievement. You can. With great character, you have fulfillment and achievement, and you have it all the time, and you don't have to worry about the places where you messed it up. So you don't have to worry about the, 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 the mistakes and the places where, where you're like, oh, I've got to cover that one up, man, so nobody sees that. And here's the deal. If we will, as long as, as long as fulfillment and achievement are the goal, what happens is the term right, what is right, is determined by progress, not by what the Word of God says. See, because if achievement and fulfillment become really what we're after, then going forward in progress, see, that becomes what's right. Because now I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to do what's right. Well, what's right is getting me farther ahead or doing what I want to do or neglecting that over there and just having a fun time or making the choice that I want to make and not with somebody else. See, I don't want to listen to what the Word says today. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And we don't really probably say those things, but we make those choices. And it puts us in a bad spot. It's not okay to cheat to win. It's not. It's not a win. The only person you cheat, and I know it sounds like my mom talking to the little boy, the only person you cheat yourself. Taxes come up in April, it's not okay to cheat. 
<laughs> Apparently not everybody believes that. I'm just kidding, Ash. It's all good. But it's not okay. See, it's not okay. Why not? They didn't catch me. Ah, there's a problem. There's a character issue. How many times have you heard that from maybe you or friends or somebody at work or somebody on the street or somebody around the corner? It's not okay, men, to cheat on your wife or women to have an affair. It's not okay to do that kind of stuff. Not because you might get caught, but because it's wrong. I don't do that because I won't get caught. Well, yeah, you might as well go do it. You got the wrong heart and attitude. I don't do that because that's wrong. And I love my wife more than I love anything in this earth. So I'm not gonna do that. See, that's somebody that says I'm standing for character, not just so I don't get caught. Joseph had a dream. And this is the story as I went through this particular section that God gave me in, in, in Genesis chapter 37 to 47 is this dream that Joseph had. And we've talked a lot about dreams. And so I bring this up because Joseph was a young man of great character. And I'm not probably gonna go back, Sarah, and read through those things. I'm just gonna tell the story a little bit because most of us know the situation and the issue. And he came and he told his brothers and his dad, and he told everybody the dream. And here's the situation, y'all gonna come and I'm just gonna be something big and I'm gonna be all about it and y'all are gonna come and he said, I don't know where this came from but I kinda like it and he said, y'all are gonna come up and y'all are gonna bow down to me and do all these kind of things and the stars and the moons and the sheets the second time, you know what I mean? All the story that he told them and, and, and he was just telling them because he was excited and they weren't as excited as him about the dream. <laughs> and they weren't happy. And, and, but, but they said, you know, you know, that, you know, they put it in their heads, you know, the parents, you know, said, I'm going to think about that one. I, something's, not, something's not all bad about that. But the brothers, you know, they weren't, they weren't thrilled. And so they take Joseph and they, you know, they dig the pit and they throw him in the pit and they, they, they coat up his, his coat with blood and they do all that kind of stuff. And they're going to tell dad that he died and all these things. And then the, 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 the slaves, you know, guys that buy the slaves came by and they're like, hey, let's sell him into there, you know. So they sell him into Potiphar's house in slavery. Potiphar gets him and... Now, all of a sudden, this young man has a great dream. And what happens to us in our lives is we get saved or, or we get a, God gives us a dream or we've got a vision and we start heading in the right direction. But then things don't line up with that and that's where we begin to make this choice between character and fulfillment and achievement. Because he's got a dream and he feels like God's put this in his heart. He feels it so strongly that he told his whole family about it. He gathered them all together and told them all about it so he must feel something on the inside of him that says, man, this is real. But then everything begins to go wrong. It starts downhill and goes farther downhill as the story progresses. And he's not getting closer to his dream. He's getting farther away from his dream. Maybe like you in your life, maybe you were going one direction, maybe you made a mistake, or maybe something happened, or maybe you were going one direction and it changed and went over here. I mean, I don't know what the situation is, and I'm not saying because you made a mistake this is impossible or any of those kind of things. Because it's all correctable in our lives because the Holy Spirit, man, he convicts us and, and the Holy Spirit then by the power of God just, just takes it all away, man, when we confess and we, when we say, Father, I'm sorry and I repent before you. And then he says, you're all good, brother, come on. And he puts you right back in that place and he puts that robe, cleans her off and takes you down the road. But Joseph, man, all of a sudden now he's in Potiphar's house and he ends up in jail and you've heard me preach it a million times and then he ends up, you know, being forgotten in jail. Then he comes, I mean, all of these things are going wrong in his life. But it says in the word that everything he touched prospered. See, he didn't get to a place where he got into a, got into a prison cell, got into jail and started making deals with people to try to get out. He did, tell the, he did tell the butcher and the baker, man, hey, hey, remind me. Remind, you know, remember me when you go out. You know, I mean, if something comes up, remember me. But he's not cutting backdoor deals. He's not in Potiphar's house sleeping with his wife because he thinks, well, you know what? This would be a way out. I mean, that, that might come to a man. 
he being chased around by Potiphar's wife. She wants him. And he's like, he's, ah, you know. She's throwing off her clothes, and it's, it's all on, and he's running away. A lot of guys would just say, hold on a minute. <laughs> this could be my way out of here. Let's make a deal, right? I mean, is that sacrilegious or something? I, not, I don't know. Marie, am I all right? Is this, uh, Marie's. <laughs> but I mean, that could be, I mean, how many of you, I mean, you might be thinking, man, hold on, God's got a dream for me, and he told me this dream, and now I've ended up in this bad place, and all of a sudden, I'm, in, I'm a slave in this guy's house, and, and how did I come here, and all of a sudden, his, all of a sudden, you say like, oh man, his wife, she, she, she likes me, she, she's looking for me, and maybe I could like woo her some way, and maybe that could get me out. Now, I'm not saying that's the situation in your world, but maybe something like that has happened in your world. And you've said, hmm, hold on a minute. This isn't exactly where I want to be. But maybe I can find a way out this other direction. Maybe I can trade a little part of my character, see, and sleep with Potiphar's wife. If I just trade a little bit, but I'll get that fulfillment and that achievement of getting out of the house and not being a slave anymore. But you know what he would have done had he done that? He would have killed the dream. He would have killed the dream because he traded what was right. He traded the character issues, the integrity. See, he he traded what God had for him to do, the tests and the trials and the things that he was going through, whatever. He traded that thing for achievement and fulfillment. And it would have killed the dream like that. But he didn't do that. In Psalms, if you want to look there, we will read this. In Psalms in chapter 1, this is the answer for us in this particular situation and area of our lives. And I believe because, because it says that everything Joseph touched prospered. You know, if you go on, he really was the one who had all the answer for the famine and he had all the answer for the land and he was the one who really truly did in the end provide for his family, provide for Egypt. He was the one who had all the ideas. I mean, all those things did happen. But when he was in those places, what happened? He was in Potter's house. He became like the top slave. When he was in jail, what happened? He was next to the jailer. You know, I mean, he always rose to the cream. He was the cream. He always rose to the top. It's because everything that he touched prospered because he was following after God. It says so in the word right here. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, no stands in the path of sinners, no sits in the seat of the scornful. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf is also, will also not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. You know, so that really shows me through what happened in his life and what says in the scripture that that this young man followed after God and didn't trade his character, didn't trade his integrity for fulfillment and for achievement. Not for a moment, not for a long time. He didn't trade a little bit so that he could get a lot. He didn't trade what he he thought would have got him through the issue so that he could have seen what God had for him. He said, God, I'm just going to stay truthful and faithful to what God says. I'm going to follow after his will and his word. I'm going to do what he called me to do. And, And if I'm in the jail, I'm in the jail. If I'm in the house, I'm in the house. And God some way will make this happen, but I'm not going to trade who I am for something that I think I can do to get what he has for me. I'm going to allow God to bring that in my life. Character, it says, is the aggregate of features and traits that form the individual nature of a person. It's the moral or ethical quality or the integrity. For us in what we talk about and what we do, I would say it's just the will in our own lives, the will to do what's right. Character in our lives is the will to do what's right as God defines right regardless of the cost it's the right thing to do and the spirit of god is alive on the inside of you and the holy spirit not just the word of god but the holy spirit speaks to you in your heart and in your life and in those moments where you're not sure the holy spirit will give you peace to proceed or he'll 
pull you back a little bit on the inside to stop. Maybe it's something to say. Maybe it's something to do. Maybe it is a time to cheat, or maybe it is a time to to lie, or maybe it is a time to stab somebody. I, I don't know what those issues are in your life, but I do know that if you're alive unto God, the Holy Spirit is right there saying, hey, hang on a minute. See, if you'll give God just a second, if you'll give the Holy Spirit just a second to speak to you, He'd be telling you, hey, hang on. You sure you want to do that? I've been there. I prayed the prayer like, you know, in Psalms it said like David prayed, God put a guard over my mouth so I don't say those stupid things that get me in trouble. So I don't give away all of my integrity in that meeting or in that time. And I've been about ready to say something. Had the Holy Spirit say, shh, are you sure? Uh Uh-huh. And then I say something really dumb. But most of the time, (laughs) most of the time I say, you're right. And even in the mid-sentence, I got to stop and change what I'm going to say or just close my mouth. I haven't had God just shut it. I haven't had like the watermelon on my desk like shoot up and sit in my face and I can't talk anymore. I haven't had the the turkey sandwich just like, oh, and me not be able to say anything. That hadn't happened. But the Holy Spirit sure has talked to me plenty. The Holy Spirit sure has said, hey, hold on a minute. You're about to trade your character for fulfillment and achievement just so you feel better for letting them know what they deserve. See, is that what I, is that what I told you to do? Is that what I gave for you? Is that why I died on the cross? So that you could tell somebody what you feel about them, what you think about them, what they deserve? No, sir. See, the Holy Spirit will check you in those places, and he'll keep you from trading your character for those things. See, you've made that commitment that you're not going to have sex before marriage. You've made that commitment in your life. So if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, not get into those situations because the Spirit is leading you and guiding you, you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit, then you don't trade that character quality, you don't trade that integrity for that moment of fulfillment and achievement. And for young people, that's where it lays many times, but for adults, maybe that's not it, you know, but it's something else like that. Character becomes the oil in your relationship that keeps things moving, and your life is all about relationships. It's about your number one relationship with the Holy Spirit, then your family after that, then the people who are surrounded by you and the people God brings into your life, whether it's a job or an organization or whatever those things are. It's all made up of relationships. And, and character in your life is the oil that makes those relationships work. I shared this a little bit last year and said that an engine is made up of thousands of parts that were designed by engineers, by very bright people. They were designed to work together within this engine to make your car go that direction with oil. Spoken from experience. Twice. (laughs) One of them was Joe, but I was in the car. Or were you in the car? You were in the car. You were in the car pregnant. That's right. I was down the street. But I wasn't drunk. (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) Could have been. But anyway, (laughs) I was at home with your mom. I probably was. (laughs) Jesus. Just kidding. Yeah, there were two cars in my life. One of them that I had that was Pastor Bill's safari station wagon that, that, that I, I drove. And before he left town, he let me know, hey, this thing leaks a little oil. You have to make sure it has oil or whatever. And I'm like, whatever, you know. <laughs> I found out at 4 o'clock in the morning on my way to my job at uh, UPS that it did need oil because it went, Aik! and I stopped on the highway. Joe, on the other hand, was in his little Celica or whatever that thing was, CRX, his little Honda, and he knew he could make it home. And, it seized up on him too 
And it became a gigantic doorstop because there's nothing you can do with it once it seizes up. I mean, it is done. But see, those parts, when they're in oil, they work tremendously. But when the oil begins to go, the friction begins to build, and those same parts that were designed to work together, those same parts that were supposed to continually work and continually move that thing along, those same parts then, when the friction comes, begin to tear each other apart and begin to tear each other to shreds. And in your relationship, if you're going to go in there and you're not going to be a person of great integrity or a person of great character, you've lost the oil in that relationship. And then that thing that was supposed to go together, maybe it was a marriage relationship and God put you together. If there's character issues and the people who are part of that thing or a character issue on one side, those two things that God put together and placed together that were going to go on forever and do great things begin to tear each other apart. And whether it's a job situation, maybe a boss who doesn't have great character and what happens to the office, it just becomes all this great turmoil. Why? There's no character. There's no oil in the relationship. See, and if you've got three or four people and they're all dealing with each other and they all have their people of great integrity and people of great character, things just seem to kind of work out and kind of go that direction and things seem to kind of work. Why is that? Because oil is, is the thing. Character is the oil of the relationship. The places that you go, you should be bringing oil onto the scene. The oil of the Holy Spirit, of course. But through your character, you should be bringing oil into that relationship. That's what we do. Now, the one good thing is if you've got an old car, let me tell you what, you can't fix that thing. But if you've got a relationship like that, God can fix that thing. Because he's a restorer. He reconditions things. Like in ways we don't even understand and can't figure out. I mean, I don't know how it works, but God does. And here's the deal. Since today is the first part of character, the foundation is the Word of God. You have to have a foundation. It has to be the Word of God. How else are you going to have character? Character flows from this. We're going to find that as we start talking about it next week. You can't change your character. You can't build your character. But this thing can flow through you and create character in your life. But if you don't know this, if you ignore this, if you leave this by the side of the road... If you don't spend time in God's word, if you don't spend time in the spirit of God, listening and learning and speaking and sharing and loving and worshiping, and if you don't spend those times and spend that place and spend that effort, well, how are you going to have a foundation? It says in Matthew in chapter 7, it says that the wise man builds his house on the rock so that when the wind comes and the rain comes and the storm comes, that it doesn't wash the house away, but the house stays. Even though the sand all around it might be washed away, even though it all might be gone, the house stays there on the rock. The foolish man, though, builds his house on the sand. It's faster, it's quicker. I don't have to worry about doing it right. I just want to get it done. See, have you heard that before? I don't care about doing it right. I just want to get it done. Uh Uh-huh, well, get ready to do it again (laughs) because the house is probably going to fall. I don't want to wait to get married. I don't care. I love them. I won't be with them. <laughs> That's trouble. Unless God said, Pastor Pam and Bill got married quick. They met each other February 14th and were married May 13th. That was quick. But they both knew that was God and that's what God had for them. That's, that's part of what's kept them together all these years. Is that idea that says, you know what God said? But I'm not saying, you know, everybody's in that same place. It says in the Word of God, in the Message Bible, the same thing, Matthew chapter 7, it says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. 
They're not foundational words. words to build. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, see, if you work these words into your life, if you take the word of God and you weave it into who you are, see, if you put it in your mind and meditate it, you begin to speak it, you begin to act on it like Joshua 1.8. See, if you'll take these words and you'll work them into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. We've got some people down the street from us that are building a house like this, apparently. It, it, huh? How about that house, man? I mean, it's this, it's this gigantic house they built out of all these forms, and it's poured concrete. All The whole house is poured concrete. It's going to have a big steel roof. Talking to Brad Marshall, they were talking to him about it, and, and they said it's hurricane-proof. And I said, well, Brad, we live in Lafayette, Indiana, man. We haven't had a hurricane here in good 10 years i think i I don't know how long it's been but i don't have to be and i'm not very smart but i know that house ain't gonna get blown over if it's hurricane proof we haven't had a hurricane here we might have a tornado or two but we ain't got no hurricanes coming through it says nothing moved the house it was fixed to the rock but if you just use my word in bible studies and don't work them into your life. If you just come to church and listen to what Pastor Pam says, or listen to what Pastor Bill says, if you just come to mentoring and just listen to what Brad might say, if you just come to the men's care group and just kind of hang out and just kind of chill and do your own thing. See, if you don't work them into your life, it says then you're like the stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and there was waves that came up, it collapsed the house like a house of cards. That's not us. That's not us. That's not you. Why put the time into hearing the word of God? Why put the time into to reading the word? I mean, wh- wh- why put in the sacrifice to listen to that CD or listen to that podcast or come to church or come to mentoring and spend those 11 weeks? Wh- why put all that in? Why put all yourself into something only to give it away in a moment for fulfillment and achievement? Why not stand on what God told you? Why not keep your house built on the rock? Why not weave these words into your life and then allow God to bring you the ultimate fulfillment and achievement that can't ever be washed away? That's what I want. That's what I want to see. I mean, if we had a choice, come on. Think about it. How many young people do you know? How many people that were young one time? And maybe you're still believing for their youth to be restored. That's a nicer way to put it. How many of those people, you know, could go back and say, only if I could go back and change some things? Boy, if I could just go back and and live my life then, like with what I know now. Well, we can't do that. But with God, see, by faith in the Spirit of God, see, He can make our life like that. It says he takes all the old and he puts it away. And he makes us brand new. He changes all that past. It says in Romans 8, 28, he turns all those things around in our life. All those places where we traded our integrity and we traded our character for achievement and fulfillment. And maybe it was the, we just went the wrong way or maybe we made a mistake or something happened to us and we just gave somebody a piece of our mind. Who knows what that was in our life? See, how many times have we made the pledge and we ended up in the wrong place? We made the resolution and six weeks later we were doing it again. And we tried in our own strength to do it, but we couldn't make it. Because we just continue to give away that piece of our life, that integrity and that character. How many times have we been in those places? But it says that God, he'll take those things. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. 
he goes on in 29 and 30 and talks about him he foreknew, he predestined, and him he, man, he's going to bring these things to pass, and that Jesus was the first one, and he, well, he's not the last one, and that you and I are the apple of his eye, and that he created us for great things, and though we've made some mistakes, and though we've gone a different direction, a different path, he'll take all that stuff in our life, and somehow he mixes this whole thing together by his power, and in his anointing, and in his spirit, and he changes our life, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but it's not like that anymore. When did it happen? I don't know. I don't know when it changed, but somewhere back there, I stopped thinking that way. See, somewhere back there, I stopped saying that was okay to just do that. I don't know, man. I just, all I did, I just woke up every day and read the word. Oh, I don't know. I just came to church, got involved in mentoring, and I got a care group, and I, I don't know what the heck happened to me, but my life is completely different. Well, don't you do this anymore? No, I don't do that anymore. When that same temptation comes now, what do you do? You rebuke it in the name of Jesus and move on. Well, where'd you get the victory? I don't know. Must have been at victory. <laughs> See, yeah, where'd you get the victory? At victory. Needs to be a commercial. Let me get some people in here. Look out, man. There might not be a seat open on Sunday. People find out that the victory's here. But you can't do it without the word, and you can't do it without faith. See, Abraham, man, he had this kind of stuff, man. God told him something, and then he had to walk it out. God told him and he had to walk it out. But if you go to Romans in 8, in, or in chapter 4, in, in verse 19 and 22, it says he didn't waver at the promise of God. He took God at his word and said, okay. He said he didn't trade things. Now, he got a little goofy. You know, he, he, did, he, did, he did get a little goofy there. You know? Sarah's a little old, and I, you know, I mean, he got a little, he started thinking, well, maybe the maid, you know, I mean, I just got things, got a little, that's the only, Liza was, or Liza was the only one in his house that was, you know, so, I mean, I'm sure there were some issues. But it said in the end, when you go back down here, it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In verse 20 then, it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, he was strengthened in faith, strengthened in faith, strengthened in faith. You say, well, I've made a mistake. Be strengthened in faith. Repent and move on. Well, I haven't made a mistake yet, man, but I'm getting tired. Be strengthened in faith. It didn't say he was weakened in faith. It says he was strengthened in faith. He was weak in the flesh, but, but strong in faith. In your life, it may look like you're weak and that that same temptation comes. Same thing tomorrow is going to come into your life and you're going to fall prey to that same thing because it's always been that way and it's always probably going to be that way and you've tried everything you know not to do that and every time you try something, something else comes and you end up in the same place. You tried to quit smoking 500 times. You tried to quit drinking 10 times. You tried to quit doing drugs forever. But you know what? It just seems like every day, man, that same thing comes back next week and I just can't stop it and I got to go that way. That's not the spirit of God. That's the flesh. And I promise you, if you will get out of the flesh and into the spirit of God, you will be able to go past that thing. You will. The spirit of God will take that. It doesn't eradicate the cravings and the things out of your life because the enemy knows that's a temptation in your life. You better believe I still wanted to smoke. I still wanted to drink. How many of you still walk by that person who lights one up and you kind of give him one of these babies? When they, when they come somewhere else, you go, well, that smells bad. But when nobody else is around, you're going, don't lie. Some dude's got a cigar at the golf course or something, and he's smoking a cigar, and you're like, put it. When all your friends are there, and they all leave, and you just walk by that guy like eight times. But see, the Spirit of God, something on the inside of you says, hey. No, no, no. And you go, you're right, man. No. How did you quit? Praying the Spirit a lot. 
Whenever those things would come, pray in the Spirit, and those things would go. Because dark and a light can't exist in the same place. When those character issues, those times come where you're supposed to trade your character for a moment of fulfillment and achievement, begin to pray in the Spirit. That guy's not going to want to sleep with you anyway. You start praying in the Spirit, he's going to freak out, he's going to leave your house. <laughs> she's hot, but she's possessed, so I ain't sticking around. I know better than that. Let's stand up together. This, let's pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.